Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, December the 3rd, 2020. We are reading from the Big Book, continuing our study of There is a Solution. We are on page 20, the fifth paragraph, Moderate Drinkers Have Little Trouble. We're reading through two paragraphs ending in medical attention and sharing on both. Today's readers are the 12 sets, Ksenia V, 12 Traditions, Adriana T, and readers of the text, Vicky V, Carmela G, and Denise B. The reference numbers for Wednesday, December the 2nd. The 7 a.m. meeting is one. 5901 and the 10 a.m. meeting is 15902. OA Preamble Overears Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ksenia V to read the 12 steps. Good morning, welcome. Good morning, good morning everyone. Um, my name is Ksenia V, I'm a compulsive overeater recovered in New Jersey. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for the opportunity to be of service, and everyone have a blessed day. Thank you. And Adriana T. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Adriana. Hi, this is Adriana T. recovering in Michigan. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Adriana T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 20, the fifth paragraph. Moderate drinkers have little trouble reading through two paragraphs ending in need medical attention. And Vicki V, would you read for us, please? 
I will, of course. Thank you, Lynn S. Good morning. My name is Vicki V., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York, living happy, joyous, and free today by the grace of God. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. Although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. I love these two paragraphs. I didn't know I was going to read two, so I I was looking at the moderate drinker. And for more than 17 years of my life, I thought I was a moderate eater. I I didn't have any idea that OA even existed at that time and thought that it was just me. I was weak and and relying on on things outside myself. I am, I do come from another program. So I had the 12 steps, but had no idea that could be applied to my lack of control with food. I still didn't see how it could help me with my binging and restricting. I had tried so many meal plans and exercise plans and eventually they all failed me. My weight went up and down like a yo-yo my entire life. The first time I read this paragraph, I was still binging on sugar and secretly listening to you all work this program. I saw this program, Uh, paragraph as an out for me because I knew that throughout my life I had given up my binge food eating and behavior for love for me it's either love or food there's I notice in my steps that it's never been at the same time I remembered in 2010 I quit sugar and flour for three months and I felt so powerful that I knew I had done it all on my own And I figured when I heard you all doing this, I said, I don't need a sponsor. I did it before. I can do it again. Working the steps, I came to realize that I did did it on my own, but I did it to spite a significant other who I had broken up with. So there you go. If I'm in love, I can give it up. But eventually, I come back to it because food is not my problem. My problem is dealing with the emotions, the overwhelming life that that just is for, for all of us. So um, I now recognize that to, to be the obsession of the mind that starts the cycle all over again, because three months into this, I decided to have one piece, one piece. And that was the last piece, meaning serenity, that I had until 2020. I st- started working this program in the fall of 2018. I went through five sponsors before I became powerless enough to let go of the control I thought I had on the food in my life. I've been abstinent from sugar since January 10, 2019, and flour since July 8, 2019. If I can do it, anybody can do it. However, it wasn't until this year that I felt the peace, serenity, and most importantly, neutrality that my sponsor promised me if I worked this program the way she did, I would receive that through my spiritual program. It took me more than a year to get there with the tool of abstinence, but now I stay there by living the spiritual life that everybody talks about daily on this program. So I just want to thank you all for sharing so intimately here for those of us who are desperate to receive the gift of recovery. This is definitely a spiritual program. I am definitely not a moderate either, eater, though I know many. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Vicki V. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, 
we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Deborah B. Sorry, there were two people there. I missed it. I just heard Lisa B. Who else was there? Deborah B. So I heard Lisa B. and Deborah. Yeah. Pat E, UK. Karen K. Pat. Was that Karen K? Yep. Patty D. Claire E from the UK. Okay, that's great. I have my lineup. Let me tell you who I heard. I heard Lisa B, Deborah, Pat from the UK, Karen K. Patty G, and Claire E from the UK. So Lisa with an EB, could you start us off, please? Yes. Thank you so much, Lynn, for your service and for everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And this is a very powerful reading for me because um, I didn't realize that if I have an alcoholic ingredient or engage in, a, in an alcoholic behavior, which could be volume eating of abstinent food, restricting food, um, compulsive, you know, biting while I'm, while I'm preparing my meals, any of those things, I may not go into like a binge, you know, or burst into flames in that moment, but it could happen three days later, that desire, you know, that desire, I'll wake up thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have that. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking that I'm choosing that, you know, but it's that my body is mandated. And that's what that's the biggest thing that I got out of this program and studying this big book, studying the doctor's opinion and listening to recovered compulsive overeaters, listening to podcasts on abstinence and and all about compulsive eating really helped me. And, you know, the other thing is I can't compare my consequences because what I found is there might be a moderate eater or even a hard eater that has worse consequences that I have. You know, I may not yet have those consequences. A hard eater may get diabetes. I may not have that yet. So that's the other thing. Um, And, you know, we hear so many stories on the line about the way people eat. And sometimes that was a disadvantage for me because I didn't, I didn't do it as hard or as badly. I don't know how to describe it. My, it didn't show, I didn't eat railroad full of car, you know, railroad cars full of food yet. You know, I, I didn't show it that way. And I used to think, oh, I'm not as bad as them. So those are just some tips that helped me. That's my experience, strength and hope. And um, I had to see for myself that I am a real compulsive overeater. And it's the spiritual malady and the emotional pain that was the most painful aspect for me. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Deborah, it's your turn. And if we could have the initial of your last name, please. Hi, it's Deborah B. as in Victoria from New Jersey. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, this reading really resonated for me, particularly with the, you know, the words moderate eater. For years, I was in a delusion 
that I was a moderate eater, and yet I was so unhappy, so struggling with why did I feel the way that I felt? Why was I physically falling apart, mentally decompensating, and spiritually bankrupt? I just couldn't put it together that my food addiction was the very reason why I was sick. And I wanted so to believe that I wasn't a compulsive overeater and that I was a moderate eater. And I spent years and years trying to convince myself and others that that's what I was. I was the eater that would eat out of the garbage. I was the eater that would hide in the bathroom to get my fix and get drunk off my food. But I thought, that's normal, and that's moderate eating. And, of course, I, you know, surrounded myself with like people. And, you know, what I can tell you about my journey is that I, too, was in another program, and those credits don't transfer for me. And it was probably harder in some ways to have some knowledge, as the book tells us, because I kept thinking, I kept trying to opt out or opt myself out of all of the symptoms of my disease. What I can tell the newcomer today is that there is hope that for someone who is, who is a low-bottom compulsive overeater, that there is a way to recover if you follow these simple directions. And for me, that simple direction was putting down the food, which I could not do for 30 years. And I'm so grateful today to say that I was able to put down the food, which was a mere beginning to a journey that was so beautiful and so wonderful. And I have recovery today from compulsive overeating, and I'm so grateful uh, to God and to all of you that helped me in my journey. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah V. And Pat. From the UK, it's your turn. And again, if we could have the initial of your last name, please. I think it was always Claire E from the UK, actually. I didn't hear anyone else. Would that be reasonable? Well, Claire, go ahead. We'll take that. <laughs> Thank you. I said maybe I maybe I didn't quite pronounce my name right. Um, my name's Claire. I'm a, a recovered uh, Claire E. My name's uh, um, sorry, uh, recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. And uh, thank you for hearing me today. And um, yeah, I really like couple of paragraphs. And I'm Claire, just reading the Claire, last line of Claire, the previous one. You know, these Claire, people who's sorry, you're breaking up. From Okay, I think we've lost Claire. Karen Kay, are you there? Good morning, um, everybody. My name is Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. Um, I try not to uh, compare myself who's the, the high bottom, the medium bottom, the low to bottom, the, low, the lower bottom. I need to identify because I can use anything or anyone to make myself different. So it's important that 
I know my God has me in Overeaters Anonymous for a reason, not because um, I thought it was a good idea. And um, I can't help but share this uh, as far as uh, sobriety concerned. You know, I don't have a, a, um, an alcoholic sobriety, uh, an alcohol sobriety date, a cocaine date, and a pot date, okay? I have one sobriety date, and um, I can't separate one from the other. And my local area taught me that when I first came in. It's, 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 it is all or nothing. And um, I used to think it was very rigid, and, and it wasn't... Uh, you know, it wasn't clear for me. I So I just follow, simply followed directions. And that allowed me to be um, a healthy person in both mind, body, and spirit. It's, it's so important for me to identify instead of compare to, because I could say, well, that, well, that's, that, that, that's my not yet. So let's try some controlled eating, which I know in my heart and my mind and my body that that's just not going to work for me. And I love all of you. You guys keep me alive one day at a time, and I'm very grateful to be here. And I wanted to say thank you for all the people that reached out to me on Monday. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen Kay. And Patty G., it's your turn. Good morning, Patty. Good morning. Um, And it's actually Patty D. Um, And I am a recovered... um, Compulsive Overeater from Illinois. Thank you, everybody, for um, making this meeting happen. And um, what I liked uh, about this reading or what I heard in it was, um, you know, I think maybe uh, before my disease had progressed to where it ended up, right, I uh, I could look like a... Um, a hard eater, and um, one of the things I had to give up was the delusion that I had about these periods that I had of self-control that could, um, you know, that I could, whatever, eat normal for a little bit, whether that was true or not, Um, but as my disease continued to progress, it didn't matter uh, what the reason was. I could not stop eating. Um, and that's what I saw as the progression. I could not stop for one minute. I couldn't stop if I had a uh, severe stomach upset. I couldn't stop if, you know, somebody went to the hospital. Nothing um, could make me stop. And that's where my disease progressed to. And it's still there. It's still progressing in the background as I stay abstinent one day at a time. And that's what I, um, you know, need to remember and that, um what uh what i my recovery activities that i do are not really optional they're um if i want the life that i have so i appreciate everybody's shares and i'm looking forward to the shares to come i pass thank you patty d okay let's see claire e did you get back on yet hi there can you hear me we can now. Thank you, Claire. Uh, hi there. Sorry about that. My name's Clary. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. Um, so, um, yeah, I love these couple of paragraphs. And um, I said I was just looking at the little last line there. Reactions are very different to ours. And I was looking at the moderate drinker. 
um, moderate overeater, you know, little trouble in giving it up. Well, they don't have a physical allergy then for me. Um, you know, that's if they can take it or leave it alone. Um, for me, that would that would outline that they are different to me because I do have a physical allergy. And when I eat certain substances, I can't put them down. I can't leave them alone. It triggers in me the phenomenon of craving. I need more. So I'm not a moderate overeater. And then the hard drinker, you know, they, they might have problems in giving it up. They might have um, consequences. Um, but, you know, they can they can sort of stop if they fall in love or or, uh, or or ill health, change an environment. And I couldn't do that either. And the reason I couldn't do that was because my mental obsession took me back over and over and over again. Is that somehow it became a, an option for me again to eat. And I, I tried so hard to stop overeating when I um or binging when I was pregnant, when I had a baby, I'd take Bible oaths. I would change environments. I moved to Australia at one point and thought that would be my new start. Um, but sooner or later, you know, my brain tells me that food is an option, that I need the ease and comfort from food. And so I would sort of postulate that the hard drinker doesn't have that mental obsession, you know. And, um, you know, my step one tells me I have that physical allergy. That is what makes me a real compulsive eater. I have a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And, and other people don't have that, that, that their reactions are different to mine. My husband's a cyclist and, you know, he'll decide each year that he's going to lose you know, a stone um, to get back on the bike in the spring. And, and he just does it. He just kind of gives it up. And I just couldn't do that. I tried so hard to do that. And it just didn't work for me. And I've heard it said and shared that, you know, people around the fellowship, there are probably people in the fellowship who are hard um, eaters. There are people in the fellowship I've met who seem to be able to sort of be abstinent and reasonably happy on, you know, meeting every few weeks and doing a bit of this and a bit of that not really taking the steps um not externally anyway and they seem to be you know well um but that's not my experience i have not been able to get this program and get well with osmosis i cannot just be around meetings and get what you guys have without taking the steps that you guys have taken and you know for this real alcoholic or this real compulsive overeater i've needed to take the 12 steps in order to get relief from that physical allergy and that mental obsession um, so I don't identify with these people. This is good at telling me what I'm not. Um, but it really explains why other people's reactions are different to mine. And, you know, really well-meaning people will say to me, you know, why don't you just try this? Why don't you just try that? Why don't you just, you know, and, and that's because their reactions are different because that would work for them. But it doesn't work for me. Um, and I'm so grateful that I know what my problem is and I know what the solution to that problem is. And um, and that's here and it's in the fellowship and it's in the 12 steps in equal amounts. So the fellowship helps me with the problem I identify and the book. Time, please. And I will leave it there. Thank you so much for hearing me. Thank you, Claire E. So for those of us who might have joined the meeting a little bit later, we are continuing our study of the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 20, the fifth paragraph, Moderate Drinkers Have Little Trouble. We're reading through two paragraphs ending in Need Medical Attention. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Kathleen W. Jen A. Okay, I heard somebody W. Melissa P. Kathleen W. 
Could oh, you okay. Melody, let me tell you who I have then. I have uh, Kathleen W., Jen A., Crystal P., and there was a Ms. Melissa as well. Yes, Melissa P. Melissa P. Uh, okay, Daria who else would F. like to share? Michelle Daria F. Leslie W. I got, okay. Let me just tell you who I have. I think we've got a lineup here. Kathleen W., Jen A., Crystal P., Melissa W., Daria S., and Leslie W. Kathleen, could you start us off, please? Did I hear a Kathleen? Hello, good morning. This is Kathleen W. from Illinois. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, Good morning. I'm just so grateful that I have this meeting to come to in the morning, and I'm so grateful for all of your shares. Um, It it's helps me to see uh, more and more um, the nature of my own disease. It's been very difficult for me through the years to uh, be convinced about my uh, compulsive overeating uh, because I did not have um, these Things did not happen to me where I was impaired physically or mentally. Uh, well, mentally for sure, but physically not so much. I, I didn't have the same um, experience as the hard eating, compulsive overeaters. But I'm a sugar addict to be sure, and uh, and um, a flour addict. And I would think that you know you'd think because I did not experience a lot of these. Uh, have these experiences of hard, hard hit, you know, eaters uh, that I would be moderate. But I, I wasn't moderate. I was not able to just uh, take these certain ingredients that I that I would eat and leave them alone, even though uh, I was able to control them to some extent. But as I got older, um, my ability to control the food, like it says. Um, uh, I was not, I was not able to to stop or moderate eating certain foods as I got older. I did start to gain weight very, very quickly, um, and I but and I came into OA um, when, when I was younger, of course, and um, I got some help, uh, went out there and just continued eating the way I was eating, uh, and then when I got older, I was really led back into OA. I didn't come back to OA because I thought it was a good idea. Um, I, I knew that God was guiding me into this program. I was already in a, in a 12-step program for, for many years and had found some sobriety. Uh, but I wasn't sober around food. And uh, there were certain things that I would eat. And I liked the expression, my brain would light up like a Christmas tree. And uh, now I, you know, I can really relate to that. And so I need to hear, I need to keep coming back in order to better understand, uh, you know, that I need this program. And, and, uh, and I do, I just keep coming back. And, and I, I have found sobriety. I have found abstinence since coming to vision, uh, working the steps, 
um, I'm feeling a, a new peace and um, calm enter into my life. And so I'm grateful for that. And I just wanted to also take my seat today. So God bless you all and thank you all for, for uh, sharing your lives. Pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. And Jen A., please go ahead. Good morning, moderator. Thanks so much for your service today. My name is Jen A. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Littleton, Colorado. Um, I love that we're uh, reading about the moderate, the hard, and the real deal, the real compulsive overeater. Um, I'm really glad that this was defined um, in this chapter. I really needed to see it and, and read it. I know when I first came in, um, you know, I identified in with all of you. I heard what you did with food, what you didn't do with food, um, the crazy. I mean, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, that's me, that's me. Um, but I also know that to compare is to despair in this program. And so it is a self-diagnosis, um, and this is helping me diagnose myself. Um, you know, I was never a moderate eater. Um, I was never like my sister. I didn't, <laughs> she got disinterested in the pie after Thanksgiving, and I literally went to clean the dishes so that I could eat the leftovers off everybody's plate, clean up the pie, put it all away, and just continue to binge. And you know what? I didn't stop after Thanksgiving in the pie. On the way home, yeah, I made sure that I stopped off somewhere at some 7-Eleven or McDonald's drive through whatever was still open on Thanksgiving, to pick up just a little bit more because that pie was not enough. You know, I always say, um, and I am going to jump ahead in page 31 on more about alcoholism. It gives me two tests, right? Because if I have any doubt that I am a compulsive overeater, if I think I'm a moderate eater, if I think I'm a hard eater, then perhaps I should take a couple of these tests. And on page 31, it does that. It says I can quickly diagnose myself. A girl like me is going to step over to the nearest Wenchel's. I'm going to try some controlled eating of the donuts, right? I'm going to try to eat those donuts, and I'm going to try to stop abruptly. I'm going to try it more than once. That's the first test. Then I flip over to page 34, the second test. If I question whether I've entered this dangerous area, right, I'm going to try leaving my alcoholic foods alone for one year. And if I'm truly a compulsive overeater and I'm very far advanced, there's little scant chance of success. Thank you, Bill, for putting this in there. Thank you, God, for giving me kind of these tests so that I can see what kind, what kind of eater is a girl like me? Am I a moderate eater? Am I a hard eater? Or am I the real meal deal in Overeaters Anonymous? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And Crystal P., it's your turn, followed by Melissa W. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning, Lynn. Hi, I'm Crystal P., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, this really stood out to me because it says, you know, if we have a sufficiently strong reason, um, we, we, will, we will stop if you're not a compulsive overeater. And I had all of these reasons. Ill health. I'd been to my doctor. I was pre-diabetic. I watched my mom have diabetes, and, and being a person who's terrified of needles, I watched her have to prick her fingers every day, and it didn't matter. Um, I fell in love. They didn't fall in love with me, but I fell in love with them. And um, but but I I'd never been in a single relationship because of my disease. Um, I changed my environment. I left my parents' home, which I thought was driving me to eat. Lived alone in my apartment and ate even more. I, um, the warnings of a doctor, I, my disease manifested in such a way that I was 250 pounds at only five feet tall. 
that weight had affected my hormones so incredibly that it caused me to be severely anemic. And because of that, my blood levels would drop so low, I had to keep going to the ER for them to either give me an iron infusion or a blood transfusion so that my heart wouldn't stop. And doctors were looking at me like, we don't know what to do with you. You're 30 years old. Why are you in the ER needing a blood transfusion? And there were times where my, um, because of that, I, I would, my uh, blood levels would get so low, I could barely breathe. In a couple of hours, I would get maybe one or two proper breaths. And that's terrifying. And none of those made any difference at all. So I had a good reason. But I think what's so dangerous and, and scary about my disease is that I can't see the reason because this disease gives me the illusion of control. It makes me think that, you know, I'm choosing all of these things, that this is not being done to me, that I have somehow I have an ability to, to decide, you know what, even though I'm, I've never been in a relationship, that's just not how the world should be. I just have to wait for someone who will accept me how I am. Or I'm sure, you know, doctors will figure out some way for me to both eat and be healthy at the same time. It gives me the illusion of control that I think is so dangerous. And I'm so grateful to be on these lines every day because when I live out in the world, you know, I somehow get the idea that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like everybody else. And, and I somehow get the idea that I can live my life like them. But every time I call into this meeting in the morning, right in the morning, I remember, oh, right, this is who I am. These are my people. This is what I am like. I cannot function like everybody else. I need these 12 steps because I need a literal mind transplant. I can't just change my behavior and use self-help books. I need somebody to change out my mind with another mind that doesn't, that isn't pro to this, uh, prone to this um, illusion of control. Uh, thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Crystal P. And Melissa W., it's your turn, followed by Daria S. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning. This is Melissa P. I just want to make sure that I'm the right person. Thank you. Go ahead, okay. please. Thank you, moderator. Good morning, everyone. This is Melissa P. from Buffalo, New York. Um, this paragraph, you know, it's always like I don't think I need it until I know that I need it because something in my heart beats a little differently when I read these words. Um, I'm coming up on two years and I'm thinking about when I was 22 and nearing almost 400 pounds walking in for a gastric bypass surgery. And I remember that the doctor wanted me to lose a certain amount of weight before they would operate on me. And for the first time in my life, I white knuckled my way down the scale 20 pounds to show them um, that I could do it and that I wasn't you know, someone who had this spiritual malady, right, that I was able to to control my food and my eating. And uh, that slap in the face came later after my surgery as I'm shoving McDonald's in my mouth and throwing up blood on the side of the road because I couldn't stop eating. My body physically couldn't take the amount of food that I wanted anymore and I had to figure out a way to make it happen. And I started on a three-year binge and purge situation that wrecked my teeth, wrecked my skin, wrecked my hair. But more what it did is it beat me down spiritually in so many ways. Because I go to the meetings after my gastric bypass with the other people in my class, and everyone else had lost all this weight, and they were keeping it off. And I looked like I was dying. And even though that the weight had fallen off and I had figured out new ways to fill my plate 
whether it was drugs, alcohol, men, whatever, this whole new world when you don't weigh almost 400 pounds. Um, but I, I was dying inside. Um, and I'm just so grateful for all of you in this book and a higher power that reached down inside of me past all of the garbage and the wrappers and everything that I thought was wrong about myself and turned on some type of light. Um, so I didn't have to live that way. I just had to surrender and I surrender every day. Um, so I don't ever end up on the side of the road throwing up or thinking that I'm less than because I can't put the food down. I, I know what my problem is today and I know what my answer is today. And it's that living in the solution that, that keeps me and my feet on the ground and looking up to the sky saying thank you every day. So I'm just so grateful for all of you and this book and this program. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa P. Daria S., it's your turn, followed by Leslie W. Please go ahead, Daria. Good morning, everyone. This is Daria F. in um, Maryland. I am so happy to be on this call. This has been my wake-up call in more ways than one. And these two paragraphs especially really spoke to me because I remember my entire life comparing myself to other people. How, how thin are they? How do they compare it to me? How do I compare it to them? Uh, physically, always. It was just the physical manifestation that, that I was looking at. And, and why, you know, she went on a diet, she lost the weight, why can't I do it? I would beat myself up looking at people I knew in my family and, and friends who I thought, you know, I was like, and uh, watching them lose weight, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And uh, I was miserable. And it wasn't until uh, probably, it might have been sometime this year even, where, or I'm sorry, it was last year, where I remember eating some combination of foods. I don't, but it contained those substances. And it wasn't just the sugar, it was just this combination of substances that when I ate them, my brain exploded. It was like, wham, and I thought, oh, this is what it must be like to be an addict. <laughs> and it was then I realized, oh, yes, I am. I am an addict. I am a food addict. And it wasn't until that realization that I finally was able to understand the nature of this disease. And for that, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for all of you and for sharing your stories and, and, and You've been so, your stories have supported me along this journey. Um, in these last, probably this last week or so, I've been feeling that sense of peace and serenity. And I'm thinking, oh, this must be what it's like to be recovered. <laughs> so maybe I am. I don't know. But I enjoy it when it comes one day at a time. So thank you all. I'll pass. Thank you, Daria S. And Leslie W., it's your turn. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Um, I'm Leslie W., a recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Tennessee. And, <clears throat> you know, I like how it breaks it down here between the differences um, between us. You know, some of us are moderate and some of us are hard. And it hasn't yet 
gotten to the paragraph that talks about the real alcoholic. Um, but what strikes me is how I tried to work a program um, like I was a moderate or a hard eater, <laughs> um, which is why it never worked, which is why I never recovered and I never got well. Because for six years, um, from 2010 until 2016, when I found this beloved meeting, I sat in meetings week after week after week after week. I had a sponsor, um, and yet I never got anywhere. Um, and it was because I wasn't working hard enough. It was because I just wasn't taking my disease seriously. Um, and I thought, just like I had done with a lot of other things in my life, I had rested on my laurels, um, used, I had, I had utilized my talents or my skills to float and get me by. But there was no talent or skill um, that I could have used no tool in my toolbox that I could have pulled out to uh, magically get well. It just doesn't happen. When you're a real compulsive overeater, there is no easy way out of this. You have to just do the work. And for me today, that work um, is what sustains me. Um, I know what I have to do today in order to remain recovered and remain in fit spiritual condition. And, you know, I thought that once I got in the beginning, you know, I thought that once I got through the 12 steps that I would be done and I could just move on with the rest of my life, that I would be fixed. Uh, but it doesn't work that way, does it? No, those of us who have been in long enough and who have had enough years of abstinence and recovery know that it's a continual work in progress and it never stops. It never stops, but it saves my life and that's why I'm grateful for it and I'll gladly do it each day. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie W. We have time for a few more shares, two or three perhaps. Who would like to share? Jason K. Carmela G. Okay, I've got my lineup. Thank you. I've got Jason K, Carmela G, and Nessa R. Let's hope we can get everybody in. Good morning, Jason. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Jason K, recovered compulsive eater and bleeding outside of Philadelphia. And um, I love uh, um, when Bill starts making these distinctions. And we really, um, for me, it's this concept of qualification. Do I qualify for this program? In a number of places throughout this book, Bill says, uh, what about the real alcoholic? What about the chronic alcoholic? What about the hopeless alcoholic? There's these very, very clear distinctions. And sometimes there's a disconnect if we're, you know, in a program with people who are, are moderate or hard eaters, they can uh, give up eating compulsively, you know, with the warning of a doctor. They can come to a, a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, and they don't necessarily have to work the steps, and they can recover. And I've tried to sponsor people who I sort of thought were moderate or hard eaters, 
and I say, well, are you studying the book? Are you reading the chapters? No, no, I'm not quite getting to it. Well, what, well is your, how's your abstinence? Oh, it's easy. I just tell myself it's poison and I move on. They can use these mental tricks. They can go to a, a, a meeting. They can feel better about themselves. They can share about their day and they can move on and be abstinent. I absolutely cannot do that. I am a chronic, hopeless, helpless, uh, uh, compulsive eater, which means I'm placed in a position beyond human aid where I need a spiritual experience. And if this, this stuff is for me, it's very instructive because, you know, certain hard uh, eaters may, you know, get a gastric bypass or other things, and they may be able to handle that. Their mind doesn't tell them to eat more and more. And I learn a lot by contrast. And I, I study these eaters. I, I ask them what it's like, you know, do you get a craving for certain foods? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what do you do when you get a craving? They say, well, I go buy that food. And then, and then what happens? You eat the, they eat the food. And then what happens? And the craving disappears. And, and for me, that's not my experience. My phenomenon of craving increases and increases the more I try to indulge that craving. And I can't stop uh, seemingly on my own power. And this thing takes me for a ride. So this, this is just, it's super, super important distinctions that Bill's making. Are we, and it's not quite there yet, but are we a, a moderate or hard eater or are we the real deal, 100% true convicted uh, compulsive eaters? And if so, um, we have one uh, solution and we have two alternatives, the, the alternative of that spiritual solution or, or carrying on to the bitter end. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jason K. And Carmela G., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Carmela. Thank you so much. Thank you all for being on the line and for the shares and those listening. My name is Carmela G., and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater recovered from New York. Um, these lines truly apply to the way my thinking was as a compulsive overeater for over six decades, and um, all I kept doing was, first of all, denying to myself that I was a compulsive, I didn't even acknowledge the words compulsive overeater, and then I compared, when I went to my first meeting, I did not feel at home. I looked around the rooms, and I listened to these people share and I thought, no, that's not me. No way. But when I finally got honest and was willing to admit and open my heart and allow the deep, dark secret that I couldn't control things, that I had the allergy, that is when my recovery began. And when I stopped comparing and I identified and I admitted that I had these bedevilments of dishonesty and um, self-centeredness, that is when I was gifted from my higher power to put the food down and have it stay down. And today, seven years later, and now in my seventh decade, 75 as a matter of fact today, I am happier and I have met so many wonderful people on this journey who I truly love and care about and 
It is a beautiful journey, and the only way I can do it is by living in these steps every single day and surrendering every day to a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela G. And Nessa R., it's your turn. Good morning, Nessa. Hi. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I um, I grew up with two hard eaters, and um, I didn't know they were hard eaters and that I was not. I thought we were the same because we ate the same. Uh, you know, my best friend and my cousin, whom I was very close to, um, you know, my cousin even ate worse than I did. He ate a lot more and, and you know, less nutritious than, than I did. But more than 40 years ago, each of them decided on their own. You know, my, my best friend decided she was interested in boys and she went on a diet and she lost weight. And my cousin was tired of getting teased and being called names. And he uh, he went to, he he started just eating uh, meat and, and vegetables, you know, and that was like long before keto was uh, was even a thing. Um, and still, for over four, 40 years later, they're they're still thin. They're still in normal bodies. They eat whatever they want. They just eat it in moderation. Um, but I struggled um, for more than three decades after they stopped struggling. And like, so what was different about me? I, I couldn't get it. You know, like, was I not interested in boys? I was, but that wasn't enough. Was I okay being, with being teased and being called names? I wasn't. I wanted desperately to, uh, to be quote unquote normal. And yet I continued to struggle, um, you know, for, for 30 odd years until I recovered about nine years ago, you know, and I, I yo-yoed between 105 pounds and, and 200 pounds, you know, by the grace of God through this beautiful program uh, of practicing the 12 steps in entire abstinence, I have been a size six for the past almost nine years. Next week, it'll be, it'll be nine years. Um, you know, because I'm not a hard eater, I will never be a hard eater. I will never be a moderate eater. I am the real thing, and that's why what worked for them doesn't work for me. I went on a million diets and they worked and I lost weight. I just couldn't keep it off like they did. You know, I mean, that's how I got to 105 pounds, you know, and I did it several times. Um, and they worked until they didn't work anymore because the moment I was down, I thought now I can eat like everybody does. And I can't, I can't. Once I eliminate a food because it's a trigger, I can never take it back. And the beauty is that now I don't even think about adding them back because it's just not worth it. I mean, would I try to, to uh, have a cup of, co- cup of coffee now? Maybe I'm not allergic to anymore. Maybe, you know, like a donut or, you know, like whatever, a French fry. Um, I don't know. I, it's not worth it to me. I don't want to lose what I have for just a morsel of food because what if I'm still allergic? It's just not worth it. So it doesn't enter my mind. And it's such a blissful state to be where the food is no longer dominating it, dominating me. The food is no longer my master. God is my master. And as long as I, thank you. As long as I stay in fit spiritual condition, that's, um, that's going to continue. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. 
Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to our tremendous team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, December the 3rd, the 7 a.m. meeting is 15909. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Carmela G., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.